The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another Wednesday episode of the A-Side Live Chat. My name is, of course, Jose with MMAfighting.com. I am back in the United States after five weeks in Abu Dhabi. Well, I should say back in Arizona because I was also at the Colby Covington Tyron Woodley card, which seems like years ago. So I've basically been on the road for six straight weeks, but I'm back. I got my bookshelf. I spent way more money than I get to admit on comic books when I landed on my first day off. But we can talk about that if you want, but we don't have to. But joining me this week is, of course, my partner in crime, Alex Savage, who will be on the road this weekend at UFC Vegas for Anderson Silva's quote-unquote retirement show. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, I'm sure she's excited to get out of California for a little bit. Uh, And on the ones and twos, Casey Lydon, who is also in California, who is listening more crystal clear than normal, though his background is blurred. It's, it's it's depth of focus, man. It, it gives it, you know, it's, it looks cool. Look, I can change it up. Look. I don't know what Whoa, those were. Look at that. Look at that. Now I'm out of focus. Look at that. You can see, see my art in the background. See some exercise equipment that's not being used. See my Grave Diggers poster. And look, there's me again, all focused. Giving Luke Thomas a run for his money on best webcam. Anyway, you guys know the drill. You can ask whatever questions you want on Twitter. The website, the YouTube comments, Casey's monitoring, whatever. Let's get it done. I'm sure we're going to have a million questions. So right out of the gate, Casey, what's our first question? Boop, boop, boop. Million questions. All right. Um, is it the most important one? Is this where we ask questions? Yeah, why not? Jay Romero, Average Joe Art on Twitter wants to know. Is this where we ask questions? Yes, on Twitter, on the site, on the YouTube comments, by Carrier Pigeon. If you have my phone number, you can text me. If you have Casey's phone number, you can text him. Didn't Ed te- message you once? We, 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 we talk on Facebook Messenger. He oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, Facebook message. I'm not tangled up. You can message us on Facebook, but the most direct route is probably on Twitter, or yeah. better yet, post well, you know, on the site. If you if you want it, before the show starts, I would say hit us up on the site or Twitter. When the show starts, hit us up in the YouTube comments. I have. A, Unless you guys see something cool and you want to send it to me, but I don't. I really don't have time to look at Twitter because I'm running the ones and twos. So uh, Jay Romero, I hope we answered your question. Uh, man, which one do? All right, it's, it's um. You want to talk about last week or this week? What, what are we going first? We could talk about. We, we could talk about whatever your heart desires. All right, here we go. From MMG2K20 on Twitter, everyone spoke about Justin's wrestling credentials being the best Khabib will ever face. However, that was the easiest time Khabib has had on the mat. If it was like it was like knife through butter, did everyone overestimate Justin's ground game, or is Khabib just that good? So yes, to set the scene, if anyone lived under a rock or just discovered mixed martial arts and wants to tune into this for the first time, Khabib Nurmagomedov submitted Justin Gagey to move his record to 29 and 0. And then retired. Just, I don't think Khabib Nurmagomedov broke a sweat in the second round submission. On the flip side, Justin Gaethje was basically sprinting around the octagon until he got submitted, back, trying to keep uh, Khabib off of him uh, with his back and away from the fence, which, of course, Khabib Nurmagomedov uses to set up his takedowns. Uh, Justin had said the best path to victory is to keep the fight in the center of the octagon. Well, he tried, and it didn't necessarily work out because he got submitted, got put to sleep. He did tap a few times. Referee Jason Herzog didn't see it, but he got put to sleep. By a triangle choke, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, Casey, to answer this question, did we overestimate Justin's ground game, or is Habib just that good? You cannot put in all caps or make the font big enough when he says, is Khabib that good? The answer is that. That was that good. Justin's wrestling is superb. Um, is it the best ever in MMA? No, it's not, because he, the best ever was right across the case from him. Um so just there was better wrestling in that cage, and it was Habib. Justin Gaethje's wrestling is phenomenal, um, and we thought we thought maybe that would be the difference maker. That his 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 wrestling defense will be enough to slow Habib down, and then Justin can really throw those bungalows. But that's not what we saw. We saw um, knife through butter. Bungalows, huh? Bungalows. Is that what we're calling punches? I'm, I'm, uh, call back to Rampage. Man. Oh, yeah, cool. his uh, his uh, Justin's wrestling was obviously is obviously very good to the point of he stuffed the first takedown, if, if you guys remember. And the whole yeah. narrative was if he could keep the fight standing, he would have a better shot of victory. But of course, the flip narrative was it's great to stop one takedown. Can he keep stopping the takedowns? But after that first takedown, Oscar Wilson and I, who were sitting next to each other, just kind of looked at each other like, oh, is this going to be one of those yeah. kind of fights? And then it, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. Uh, he got him, he got taken down in the end of the first round. Landed some great kicks, two and some punches. Two referees, two ref, two referees, two judges actually gave Justin the first round, which I agree with. Watching it live, he had Mel on him. Did you I agree at the very end? And a, and an armbar attempt. I agree, but that was like the last forty-five seconds of the round. There's five minutes in a round. Watching it live, I can see how. I, first of all, I didn't score the first round for Justin. I scored it for Habib, but watching it live, Justin punches were very loud, and he it's, he was, seemed to be doing the mo- most damage. Since watching it through the broadcast, because as you know, when you're watching a fight live, the, you can't see necessarily all angles of the octagon. You can hear the angles, though. Everything Justin threw, you could hear. And you could hear him laughing because Habib would throw punches and Justin would like chuckle at him because he would 
very easily dodge flying knees or punches or jabs and everything. So Justin seemed to be doing the most damage on his feet. After watching it, obviously Habib was the most dominant one, but I see where they're coming from just from my my point of view. But Alex, we'll talk about this. How did you what did you make of Habib's win over Justin Gaethje at UFC two fifty four? You're muted. There we go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. I muted myself. <laughs> um, it was an important fight, I think, to watch because we've been talking about Tony versus Habib for so long. And I think this fight kind of solidified in my mind that Tony versus Habib would go the exact same way as what we saw this weekend. Um, and so now I have, I think, less interest in seeing it. I also have less interest in seeing it just in general because I feel like a whole different person than I was like back in March when this was allegedly supposed to be like sure. getting the ball rolling on it. But yeah, I, I see it going the exact same way. I think Khabib really is just that good. Yeah, he's the most dominant fighter I think I've ever seen in terms of we know exactly what's going to happen and no one can stop him. He's lost maybe now he's what lost two rounds. I don't think he's lost one round. Maybe. I yeah, but, I mean, but, I, yeah. Some judges, of course, gave him a round, but I don't think he's legitimate. Has he lost a round on all three judges' scorecards yet? Once, I think once. Once. That's what. But if you watched, you can go back and rewatch the pre-fight press conference on MMA Fighting's YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> Justin Gaethje has said Habib has lost one round, and he doesn't even agree with that. So yeah. in Justin Gaethje's mind, no one has ever even handed just uh, Habib one round. But I think there's been one very early into his UFC career. Um, but I digress. Just Habib Nurmagomedov is retired, greatest lightweight who's ever done it. I wouldn't necessarily call him the greatest. Most dominant is another conversation. I don't know if I call him the greatest, but I know Casey's eyes bug out. But we'll, I guarantee you we're going to have a question about it later. We can talk about it then. We don't have to dwell on this. Say, uh, I don't sorry, to... real quick. Uh, your uh, microphone is like a little overblown. Can you, can you turn it down a little bit? Does it sound overblown to you, Alex? Yeah, just yeah it's just where it's peaking. Oh, wow. yeah, maybe turn it down just a bit. I didn't. Is that better? That sounds is that better. better. Yeah. Now, now that you're hearing your broadcasting voice, now you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now that I'm also like home and I have my microphone, and I'm not, you know, I digress. Though. Yeah. Um. You know. But yeah, Habib Dressing we'll is talk. that good. Yeah, he's the greatest wrestler who I've ever, I've ever seen inside the octagon. And he's the most dominant fighter I've ever seen in the octagon. And was I wrong? Did did Habib? I mean, Habib basically. I don't want to say he won the striking, but it was pretty even. It wasn't like. It wasn't like there was nothing desperation about those takedowns or anything. It was like, oh. No, definitely not. I just think it was Justin was on his horse for so much, like throughout the whole first round, that Habib was throwing a lot of punches, but he wasn't connecting with a lot. And Justin was slapping in those leg kicks and snapping Habib's head back once or twice. So I would say Habib threw more, but Justin Gaethje landed more. But it was pretty – it was – Statistically, I think um, they said Habib actually landed more. But I know you're, I, you know, I really think that um, from the live experience, what you, know, how, what you said, how you felt Justin won. I think because Justin throws so dang hard, and there's no, yeah. there's no one in that arena, so everything is blocked. If every, even if a, if a kick is checked, you just hear that slap of skin. So every, even even a block shot feels like it lands. So um, yeah. I totally. Uh, get get why a judge would feel that way you could also like i said like habib threw his when habib threw his running knee that mm -hmm. is like a signature running knee he completely missed 
and Justin laughed. Like you could hear Justin laugh at the miss. So like you you could pick up all these things to the point where like sitting octagon side, I didn't have my computer because I was set up in the back the entire fight. And then we everyone went out to watch the main event, obviously. So me, Oscar, and Farah Hanoon of MMA Junkie and UFC Abu Dhabi were all sitting next to each other. And we, we're not working yet because we have nothing to work mm-hmm. on. So we actually got to watch the fight as like That's quote fine. unquote fans. That's so fine, like yeah. trying to think of questions. And Oscar and I were just giving each other looks and like Justin Gates would land a kick and we, all of our buys would just go like we just like <laughs> together because they were so loud that it hurt my legs listening to them. So it's definitely a unique experience. Though I will say there were a lot of people in that arena yeah. for that <laughs> fight. There were so many people. It felt like an actual fight. Did, did you notice when as soon as the beep won, when, even before he kind of bent over and kind of cried and everything, he actually told all the people there to shut the hell up. <laughs> like he, t- mm-hmm. like he goes, hey, hey, chill, guys, chill. It's done. Like he goes, like he gave yeah. his he gave his fans like about three seconds, uh, three or four seconds of, of screaming, and he was like, all right, everyone, let's bring it down. So, <laughs> like, yeah. like, some of those weren't fans. Some of those people weren't fans, and I, I some of those people were ah. journalists, right, well, which was disappointing. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, but do you think what? My impression when when um, Justin, because I saw that little chuckle he did when Justin uh, when um, that flying knee kind of went by him. My impression it wasn't Justin necessarily laughing at Habib like, "Oh, you didn't even hit me." I think it was Justin to me going, "Oh boy, like this, like I I got to worry about this now. I got I got I got to worry about guys diving on my ankles and knees at my head. Like Jesus, man." Wasn't, the knee was not close at all. I know, but the threat, but just like, the fact that Habib's threatening that now, insane. like yeah. It was the same knee he missed on Connor. Yeah. Remember, he slipped Connor through the knee, mm-hmm. and then Connor kind of switched it, but then it was irrelevant because Habib is just Habib. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about it. It's, it's uh, God, I'm so like, I will, I'm so excited. Going on this, I want to ask a question because yeah. someone, a co host, former co host, texted me, said, Hey, pal, I heard texting questions is allowed now. This <laughs> <laughs> is Matt Wells, uh, Matt Wells. In, in Texas, former co host of the A side. So question, what's more impressive? Habib always dominating with wrestling. Everyone knows his game plan and is still unstoppable. Or John Jones often willing to go where his opponent is best with different approaches, largely still dominating. It's a very interesting question because as we know, John Jones' whole thing is he'll beat you at your own game. Or Habib, on the flip side, you know what's coming and you can't stop it. So Alex, I'll start with you because I'm sure Casey's going to have more thoughts on the matter what is more impressive um i think i think it's obvious i think everybody knowing what Habib's going to do and still cannot stop it is way more impressive i mean i don't know how many more fights that this guy needs to do exactly what he did and 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 there's just no there's nothing anybody can do that's way more impressive to me it is an interesting comparison uh casey what is your what is your answer and then i'll give mine oh habib uh ten thousand percent uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, Habib. I mean, and the, the idea that John beats you at what you're best at, I don't think he did. I think, I think he lost to Reyes. He didn't beat him. In, he lost to Reyes. I mean, what did he beat him in football? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I think the narrative. <laughs> I, think the, I, <laughs> I think the narrative of Jones beats you at what you're best at hasn't been a thing for since the first DC fight. Yeah, because I agree. like he beat Shale with wrestling. He beat DC with wrestling. He dirty box Glover uh he like was more than happy to stand with Shogun and Machida tapped Rampage so I think that at one point in time that was true 
but I, I don't think we've seen that profile. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's over with. Um, actually, someone I would the, the whole beat you with your best at. I would actually go with. I when I think of that comparison, I think of someone like Nick Diaz. We're like, oh, I'm facing Paul Daly, one of the most dangerous strikers. Yeah, I'll strike of you. You know that. That's what I think of when I think of guys who are that crazy. But we'll, maybe. But we'll, then, like Nick, Nick Diaz isn't gonna fight. But yeah, I but but, but it's, I, I don't think of John Jones that way. Like, oh, he'll beat you at what you're best at. I just think if he's like, okay, he's really good. That's about it. I think there was a point in time where that was accurate. But I think that's just because he game planned so hard for an opponent that he just knew what they were going to do. And Like, he, he fought Glover to share, like, face-to-face for five rounds. And that was Glover's whole thing. But he also he torched him. Yeah. yeah he, so I think there was a point in time that was John Jones's MO. But that hasn't been a thing for a few years since his first DC fight. Anyway, let's ask – what is our next question? Next question. Oh, what, what, what's your opinion? You didn't, you didn't give your answer to that. Uh, Devil's advocate, I would say John Jones, but I think it both are very impressive. Like some of the performances that John Jones had were blew me away. Like when he fought DC and would took DC down and put his hand on his forehead, super disrespectful and unnecessary. It's still really <laughs> impressive to take down a former Olympic wrestling captain and then basically have your way. So yeah, yeah remember that I, remember that time John Jones out karate Machida? No, he beat him. He beat <laughs> I agree. It's a it's a, it's, first time. it's a fun story, but I don't think it's I don't think it's too much um truth to it. I'm impressed with both people's performances. Since I think John Jones's fighter IQ is and his chin is one of the most underrated tools of his game. Uh, his his ability to change on the fly and and like I don't know how to just, we'll talk about it more. But both are very impressive. I just think Khabib is the more dominant fighter. Mm-hmm. Real quick, on t- before we go to the next question, because I already know the questions, because we didn't get one this, but I think the most underrated part of Habib is his toughness. The way he ate those leg kicks and never even showed any damage or any limp, that like, he ate a good four or five leg kicks. Like I was on like, oh, on a broken foot, on a yeah, on a on a broken foot, and which I have no reason to believe that they're they're BSing us. So uh, oh no, and they put out like X rays and all that stuff on all the injuries he had, had wait, stat possibly too. Dude, this is how awesome Habib is. Habib broke his foot so he could fight with a balloon foot just to show Connor you can still win a title with a balloon foot. That's how good Habib is. <laughs> That's the narrative. That's the narrative. Next question. <laughs> Thank you, MMG2K20. Uh, speaking of Connor. Oh, great. Yeah, here we go. Longtime commenter. Everything about lightweight division. When will Dana announce Connor's next fight? When will Dana announce Connor <laughs> the title? How would you match up Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gage, and Charles Oliveira? I'm gonna add Dan Hooker in there. Who should you who should fight for the number one contender? What's next for Islam Makachev? So I asked Dana White about Connor versus Poirier, and Dana White was not about it and walked out of the press conference. But someone had to ask it. Uh, but I, that is the exact response I expect because Dana White doesn't like talking about future fights. Um, so Chandler, Ferguson, Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. I'm going to add Dan Hooker in there because he's in the top. I'm not going to add Felder because he's still technically retired. What's next for Islam Makhachev, we already know, is RDA in a five-round fight in Las Vegas. Connor will supposedly fight end of January, I assume, for the title. And I assume that also because Javier Mendez has been on record. I think he told our friends over at Submission Radio. Uh, so shout-out to them for an awesome interview that he thinks well, whoever fights for the title is next should fight Dustin. That is his opinion. I'm not going to argue with Javier Mendez on that. And since Connor is already fighting Dustin Poirier, supposedly, 
just make it for the title. I don't really care. I think that's a fine fight anyway. They're both coming off wins. Uh, it's the rematch, and then I think Chandler should fight Tony Ferguson. Justin Gaethje should fight Dan Hooker. Tony Ferguson. I mean, Charles Oliveira, I'm sorry. You're pretty much the odd man out, unfortunately. <laughs> You're Leon Edwards. Crazy. <laughs> um, but Alex, what do you, what would you do for the lightweight division? Um, I had it almost similar. So if Connor Dustin's for the title, then I'd put Chandler Ferguson, obviously, for the number one contender. But then I had Oliveira fighting Hooker, just because I kind of feel like they're in the same boat where they're just kind of floating near the top. And I think one would really, I mean, one, that would be a huge, that would be a banger. And I feel like we're going to get a really amazing finish from that, really dominant performance, and then probably bump them up um, uh, to probably fight the loser of Chandler and Ferguson. Yeah. And then Gaethje, I don't know. I don't know. I will say, and I don't know what they were talking about, but I was on, I saw Gaethje and Chandler around each other a lot after the fight on the plane ride back home in the airport. And they were chit-chatting, very friendly, very respectful. But if they're trying to book that fight, I'm not going to say no to Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. Also, let's not forget, Dana White says the ultimate fighter is coming back. And I think I would be hard-pressed not to assume one of some sort of combination of these two will coach. I wouldn't hate Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson, mostly because Michael Chandler is already a fitness expert, as Dan Hooker calls him. Did you see Dan Hooker's subtweeting Michael Chandler all fight uh, fight week? Casey? No. He kept, no. He keeps saying he goes, if you weigh in and you're not fighting, you're just a fitness model and stuff like that. He wouldn't actually tag Chandler. And he'll say, oh, the fitness model on the screen again, not fighting and stuff like, like that. Like he wouldn't do the same thing. Shut I, up. I, I think he's just trying to I think he's just trying to pick a fight. I don't think he has. I know he doesn't have anything against Chandler. He just wants that fight so badly and trying to drum up some sort of interest. Yeah. Uh, so I would not hate Chandler coaching because that means we get we get Henry Hooft and all those guys on screen. And I think that gym is awesome. And they're great coaches on the ultimate fighter. And then Tony Ferguson and his Tony Ferguson workouts would just be awesome to watch the Ultimate Fighter too. But I know Case is going to say, "Let's just have them work out on on screen for an hour." But if you need two coaches for the Ultimate Fighter, you, I wouldn't hate those two. That's what that's what um, Showtime did for their bo- boxing workouts, open workouts. They just had live streams uh-huh. of the open workouts. But um, all that. Uh, uh, oh. Yeah, I like how you said Dana doesn't want to talk about future fights. But then like five minutes, not even five minutes before that, because he was only up there for like five minutes. He talked about, oh, let's do Whitaker um, Adesanya. So he had that fight in his head, but he didn't have the next fight. I think I I just think you have to be and this is all like I don't know the answer. So I'm just speculating. I think Dana and Connor and like with negotiations, you have to be very careful what you say. Because it might throw wrench into negotiations. He might ask for certain things. If you say the wrong thing, Connor, Connor is so he might ask for involved. money. <laughs> yes. So you have to. You're, it's a very delicate situation when it comes to like dealing with Connor McGregor in negotiations. That I just think he, <laughs> as soon as someone brings it up, he's like, I'm out because he just doesn't want to ruin negotiations. That's a speculative though, because he won't talk about him at all. But he'll I, talk about everyone else. I just think house. I didn't really realize because I was so caught up in the Habib retiring and everything that I didn't realize what, from my my impression, like how just depressed and sad for the the UFC's future bank account when they found out Habib was retiring. Considering Uh even Mendez didn't even know that he was retiring. Imagine the shock that the UFC had, like, because Dana's doing all these big old, you know, multi, multi million dollar deals to these these people in Abu Dhabi. And all of a sudden, 
Like you book, you get, you have this big agreement with Abu Dhabi, and all of a sudden the guy that's going to be the man in that country retires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet we see a lot more Islam Makhachev in the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, made up too. All those guys. Oh, but to answer the question, uh, if we actually go by rankings, I'll do my own rankings. The the next vacant title should, without a doubt, be between Dustin and Gaethje. Rematch, uh, and those guys are one and two right now. I have uh, most likely it would be Connor versus whoever is going to fight for the cheapest. To me, uh, that's how the UFC works. If it is Connor, it should be Connor and uh, Dustin. But ideally, I would like Connor. I'm sorry, um, Dustin versus Gaethje. But in a perfect world, let's have an eight man tournament, and uh, yeah, and let's actually find out who the best lightweight is, and not not pick it by popularity or who's going to fight for less. I agree, but Dana White hates tournaments yeah. for some odd reason. Yep, yep, yep. All right, next question. Oh, let's go. To, let's move on to next week or this coming week. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Anderson Silva from Zakuko Kegi. Is this the last time we see one of the best fighters in the game? What was your favorite moment of his career? Casey, I'll come to you second because you've seen a lot of his fights. Alex, you're gonna you're gonna be there. 
to potentially witness Anderson Silva's last fight. I don't think he's retiring. I know he has one more fight after this on his contract. I can't imagine he's going to go out on a fight against Uriah Hall in front of nobody. So do you believe this is the last time we see Anderson Silva fight inside the octagon, who many consider to be the greatest <laughs> middleweight of all time? I still consider him the greatest middleweight of all time. Or will we see him at one more time, maybe go somewhere else? And what is your what is the, your favorite memory from the Spiders career? This is this is a hard question for me because I feel like Anderson Silva's um, his reign was probably before I really got into MMA. Um, so I actually kind of feel bad that I'm going to be there this weekend, and it probably means a lot less to me than it does to a lot of other people that are going to be there. Um, but that being said, I've heard a lot of whispering about you know I don't think that this is going to be his last fight anyway. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite moment. I think it was all pre 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 MMA Alex. <laughs> Fair play. Casey, what is your favorite moment from the Spiders' career, and is this the last time you see Anderson Silva fight inside the octagon? Okay, first off, cool, Alex, you're a bad MMA fan because you shouldn't have said, oh, I've been watching Anderson since UFC 1. I saw him at <laughs> UFC 1. So, like, you're, you're, you're a bad MMA fan. Sorry. Number one, number one bullshit. That's how we do everything here. We just, ah, just talk of our ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, just- <laughs> say the say a random. I saw him fight. When, yeah. when is he fighting Conor McGregor? Yeah, okay, guy. Yeah. Um. Uh, I do want to see that fight still. <laughs> um, favorite moment? Actually, you know what? Oh, oh, I had it. My favorite moment is actually uh, when I was working with Ariel back in the day, and it was it was for one of his UFC title fights, and it was during the media day, and Anderson grabbed Ariel, and they danced together. They didn't I do, do remember that. I don't remember what fight it was for. What was it for? I bet I can look up Anderson Silva. Well, you know, people at home, once we're done with this, go Google Anderson Silva dancing, Air Hawani, and watch him dance. It was beautiful. It was cute. Um, but my favorite moment for me, fighting, actually, fighting-wise, was um, actually, uh, probably won't go down as one of his favorite best moments but actually it was when i was in brazil and i got to watch him um knock out stefan bonner and i was sitting cage side it was one of those times like you said i didn't have a laptop i had nothing to do so i was like you know what i'm just gonna watch this as a fan this is awesome i'm not trying to keep score i'm not 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 hashtagging in abu dhabi all that crap you know just 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 watching fights and um watching a full arena you know do their little chant and then that flying knee right to the sternum to bonner it was just awesome. So uh, just seeing seeing Anderson just just school someone, uh, and especially I think that I think that was pretty. I think that was juiced up. I think Bonner got popped too after that fight. He did. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so loaded PD loaded uh, Bonner just destroying him in Brazil. That was very fun. That was the last time we ever saw Anderson, like the Anderson fight. Okay, <laughs> like the original. That was the last time we saw like the Anderson Silva. That that, that is we, like. That we yeah because he still hadn't lost to Weidman yet. Mm-hmm. It was at light heavyweight, light so that heavyweight. was still undefeated. That was still undefeated light heavyweight Anderson Silva, which was a thing. Like oh, Anderson Silva's never lost to light heavyweight mm-hmm. before until he fought da- uh, Daniel Cormier, uh, and then he lost to Weidman like 162. Mm-hmm. I think the Bonner fight was 153, so it was not soon after, and they showed that highlight on repeat over and over because 162 was. Um, International Fight Week, so they had the old style Fan Expo pre Reebok, mm-hmm. where the, the oh, fan yeah, those were fun. 
Yeah. It actually felt like a big deal because they had all the booths. I like, had like the Venom booth and the Ruka booth and the Tapa booth and had the fighters signing autographs and everything. Head, head rush. And I remember head rush all that stuff <laughs> and they had the they had the giant screen in the mandalay bay playing the stefan bonner and Silva fight on repeat over and over and over and over and over so i watched that fight maybe a thousand times waiting for interviews um i also remember venom would have like go-go dancers wearing venom outfits dance for hours and i felt so bad for those women because they would just be standing there dancing while people were in line to like meet shogun or vanderlei or someone like that and i just felt so bad for them because music was blasting and they just had to non-stop dance anyway <laughs> my favorite anderson silva moment man that's a good question i vividly remember him knocking out chris Levin because I was so hyped on him coming over from, uh, like, the Pride cage rage uh, time to Chris Lieben, and everyone thought Chris Lieben was going to, like, be the guy that could just walk and march forward, and Anderson Silva just pieced him up pieced him up in, like, 60 seconds. His Lee Murray fight was awesome, because Lee Murray's a psychopath at Cage Warriors. I'm just going to talk, or Cage Rage, I should say. I'm just going to talk about pre-UFC Anderson Silva. Ryu Shonen fight getting tapped out, the Tony Franklin elbow <laughs> where... Anderson watched Ongbach before and decided he was going to land that that elbow. Man, pre UFC Anderson was a, was freaking awesome. No, him I, dancing out to Michael Jackson was awesome. All I, that stuff. Yeah, I wasn't really a MMA fan when uh, Anderson fought Lieben, so I'm very curious um, to talk to some journalists at that who were like kind of in the game at yeah, that yeah. time. Like, what was the perception? Because I know that was a main event for. Oh, uh, so my my like, perception. Was he, you mean, was he coming over like Michael Chandler? Or was he coming over like Eddie? Like when Eddie Alvarez came over, like the biggest you know big free agent, or was it just kind of like not really, not really, because he was one and one in his last few fights because he beat the fight before he had beat Tony Franklin with that that elbow that everyone's yeah. seen a thousand times, and the fight before that was his Okami loss at Rumble on the Rock, which was a DQ. So he was like, which was a DQ, and before yeah. that he had, I think two three and even going into that okami fight it was like a two or three fight win streak i'm not 100 percent. and before that he had just lost to show rio shona so he was like four and two in like his last six fights coming in but you knew how good he was he had also fought in a couple welterweight fights or like catchweight fights where he was really small or he was a really tall skinny welterweight fighting like carlos newton and everything and he also beat jeremy horn lee murray was pre-psychopath lee murray so he was still allowed to be in public and uh, before he went to like Moroccan jail, so beating Lee Murray was a really big deal, mostly because he went to England to fight Lee Murray in, in his backyard. So it was one of those things where you knew how good he was, but his record going in wasn't wasn't reflective of how talented he was. And Lieben was still Chris Lieben, like from coming off tough from like 2005, 2006. I also wasn't, I'd never seen Anderson fight live, so I didn't know how tall he was. And do you remember? I'm sure you guys have seen the tail of the tape for that fight it said Anderson Silva was 5'11 which is so inaccurate he's like 6'2 6'3 and Chris Levin is 5'11 so I'm like oh Anderson's a lot shorter than I expected and then when they fought that was a wrap and as soon as he beat Chris Levin I'm like sign fight fight Rich Franklin now and that's exactly what happened so um or clearly the, U was, the, the Joe Silva when they signed him obviously thought that he was the next big well, thing so I mean they want to give him a main event Against such a showcase fight against Lieben, the Chris Lieben fight I thought was going in. I'm like, it's he's. I remember what we were saying about Izzy. He's either gonna get bulldozed or he's gonna style on him. That is how I viewed Lieben 
versus uh, Anderson Silva. So Wait. basically, go ahead. Oh no, no, no sorry, sorry. We, I'm sorry. I lost the I lost the comparison to Izzy. What do you mean with Izzy? Uh, remember before Izzy fought Romero? Oh, before Romero. Okay, I thought you meant his debut. Sorry. No, no, no. Izzy was going to be like, we're, he's going to style on him, or Yoel Romero's going to expose him. One of the two. There's no back and forth fight for this. <laughs> and we got neither. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, that was the whole narrative going mm-hmm. in, and I knew either Lieben is going to be too tough, or Anderson is just going to wrap a baseball bat around his head. It was one of the two. And that's exactly, we got, we got the perfect game, Anderson Silva. Now, I was not under the impression that he was going to become Anderson Silva after that. I thought he would face. I thought Rich Franklin was going to be a tough fight. Really? I thought Mark Hart's of the world would be a tough fight. I thought I thought Dan Henderson was going to be a super tough fight the first time, because Dan was still champ champ of pride coming in. So it was. Uh, I did not think he would become the Anderson Silva that we know now, but I knew he was going. I knew he was going to be something special. You know, I did forget my one Anderson. My one very um, very fond Anderson Silva memory is is actually when he lost to Weidman the first time. Um, I was backstage. Uh, I was actually shooting at the, on the uh, backstage by the medicals where they um, they do their Fox interviews. So I'm in the tunnel watching the fight, um, which is great. It's, it's a great vantage point. I think it was at MG, was that Mandalay or MGM? Not sure. But and, it was in the first fight, the first fight was at MGM. MGM. Both of them were at MGM. Is MGM, and may, maybe maybe everyone felt this way at home too. But when as soon as Anderson got knocked out, it I was just so confused because you I just thought. Oh, this is crazy. Anderson Silva is faking getting knocked out. So bold. What a bold move by him. Man, to get to get knocked out just to just to just to fake Weidman out. That's really good. Cuz remember we it's like yeah, I think how many times you have to watch that replay be, before you went, "Oh, man. Oh, no, Anderson did get knocked out." Like it was just like I remember he got, just he got, he got folded. Cuz remember he, but even before cuz he was faking it, you know, ugh, and then he like you didn't fake it and i was just like man anderson's such a good actor look he's still doing they're carrying him out of the cage this is amazing <laughs> <laughs> he's really sticking to it I, I admire that man so that's my anderson so anderson self a moment anyway anderson's great i still think he's the best middleweight ever at one point in time he was one of my fa- he was my favorite fighter on the planet anyway i have a story real quick anderson silver story i want to share this because when I worked for Elite XC back in the day, we were in um, Hawaii, and Rafael Feijao was fighting. And if you know, remember Feijao, he was one of Anderson's main training partners, so Anderson was in his corner. Nick Diaz was also on that card. I think it was for the KJ no- one of the KJ Noons fights. And we're out on the pool, uh, in the hotel pool, and Anderson's out there, and Nick Diaz is around, and I'm just by... And, and, and Nick Diaz is just staring at Anderson, just like eyeing him up and down, like, and just going like, and just kind of doing his like little, you know, Stockton thing. And I was like, oh my God, Nick Diaz is going to fight Anderson Silva by the pool right now. And it was, and Anderson's just like, hello, hello. And, but Nick Diaz <laughs> just like, just mean mug him the whole time. And I just like, oh, this is great. I love, I love both these guys. MMA is awesome. <laughs> MMA is a silly and awesome sport. Thank you for the questions of Kuko Keggy. We talked a lot about Anderson Silva in that one. Right. Well, I think, I think he deserves it. Oh, oh, by the way, this is not his last fight. No. <laughs> but, no, it's, it's fun to talk about. The Seaside, are you going to dress up on Halloween night? Question mark. Hashtag the A-side. I should. You better. I haven't dressed uh, up in probably four years, I would say. I mean, you're going to be in a media tent for on Halloween night. I know. How embarrassing. You or should awesome. definitely. You should 100% dress up. 
Casey, you dressing up? I'm be watching the fights from home, so I don't know. I don't know. I'll be just be sitting in my living room in a, I don't know, in a sexy nurse outfit. So, not sure. As you do. Yeah. Mm. You should go. You should I'll be, go yeah, as, I'll, I'll dress um, as a sexy nurse. Alex, you should dress up as Esther. Go as Esther. So the media. T- How does one dress up as Esther? Wear like a metal shirt. Yeah, no wear a metal shirt. On the red bandana. Red bandana. Just get yeah. wasted. Yeah, you know. Tuck, tuck your shirt into your jeans and wear um, the white nursing shoes that maybe she I'll was as, way ahead of the game on. Maybe I'll go as Jose instead. That would be fun. <laughs> well, that's easy. I think. Black. Yeah, yeah. just go bird it out. Um, I'm definitely dressing up. I think me and my girlfriend are going as Marco and Alana from Saga, but even though Ooh, we're not going anywhere. Nice. Very nerdy. Very nerdy. Yeah, as you know. But, uh, so yeah, we'll see. I'm, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I was, yep. I, 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 I was going to overshare a bit and share some of my previous, um, Halloween costumes on the stream, but nah, I might, I might just catch, catch me on Twitter. Catch me on Twitter. <laughs> Ryan Bader is the champion of Halloween costumes in the MMA world. He goes all out to the point where he was telling the story where I think he had painted his whole body blue to be like a Smurf. Like he wore like no shirt and he had like the white pants and like he dyed his like facial hair white. And he was like going into Canada for a party and they like stopped him or something crazy like that. They're like, why are you dressed like this (laughs) on the Canadian border? Anyway, from Sam Harris, 999. Jose, how did it feel to be one of the only people on the planet to be watching UFC live? Bizarre. Super bizarre. I'm not going to lie. Um, like I said earlier in the, the the show, I went out to watch the main event sort of as a fan, but not like I was still – work was in the back of my mind because you have to be ready to ask questions at the press conference. Even though there was no press conference with Habib, you still have to be ready for, for whatever happens. Or Justin, too. I thought we were going to get both of them. We didn't get either of them, but – Oscar and I and Ferris sat down and we kind of like there were a lot of people in the flash forum because they invited some guests like VIP guests. There was a lot. There's like an ESPN booth, a BT Sport booth. Michael Chandler was sitting there. Nelk were there, whoever they are. The YouTube uh, millennials were doing their thing over on the side. So it felt like a big fight. And it was very, very bizarre to be there in person, knowing that how many people wanted to be there. Um, Oscar and I had that conversation right before the fight started because Oscar like held his hand up and his hand was like like was like shaking because the fight we were the fight was so also because we had been there for five weeks and we were like oh I can't wait to go home I'm so tired <laughs> Fight Island seeing the same people over and over and over and then like the Habib fight as soon as we met up in the meeting room before the fight card even happened we were like man I forgot how big of a deal this fight is going to be, and we were just so excited. But it was a very bizarre feeling. I'm not going to lie. Side note, being stuck on Fight Island for five weeks, the weirdest sensation getting home was seeing cars. Because we didn't (laughs) see cars for five and a half weeks. Because it was buses and golf carts. Like when we landed in Vegas and Oscar and I took a – like a lift out of the airport, like seeing cars was a mind trip for us. There were just very few cars. Oh yeah, it's just because no you're, cars. Cause you're in a bubble. You're in a bubble. So there were zero. The only vehicles on Fight Island were the big buses that would shuttle media or fighters or anyone back and forth, or golf carts for security. There were no 
like we're going to drive somewhere. Like nothing. There's no cars. You can walk down the street like I am legend style. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for your question, Mr. Sam Harris, 999. Uh, one more for you, sir. Question for Jose. Top three best, worst moments in Fight Island, fight or not fight related. Worst was lose everything broke. <laughs> everything broke. So update for everyone because so many people have been asking me. Landed in Vegas, went to get my car. There was a the security guard to put a donut on my car. You can't drive back to Arizona on a donut. So I had to go get it patched up at a tire joint. Oscar Willis was going to give me a ride. Coincidentally enough, his tire had blown out while we were away too. So that was two tires we needed to fix. Um, and then I finally got home. I'm back in Arizona. Lost my, all my SD cards. Finally got a SIM card for my phone so I could use my phone again off of Wi-Fi. Still have to go get new SD cards. My Xbox is still broken. Everything broke, so that was probably the worst. Uh, the everything was worst. Um, I just think after week four, you've seen the same people for five weeks, for four weeks, that you just slowly start to lose your mind and you lose sense of time. And like, what day is it? What time is it? Like, I was trying to work with Alex, but she was eleven hours behind me. <laughs> so like, when I was working, she was dead asleep, and when she was working, I was dead asleep. So that was very difficult, but I think we made it work. Um, and the best things were fights. Seeing fighters every day was very interesting because they were some. A lot of them weren't cutting weight because the cornermen were there too. So we're all used to seeing fighters on fight week cutting weight and being like super vulnerable and dehydrated and miserable. But seeing like Eric Anders, uh, Michael Chiesa, like DC. Um, like a lot of fighters that were just there either commentating or cornering because then you could actually have conversations with them was very, very, very interesting and fascinating. And of course, Laura and Megan Olivia were we're all really good friends with. So it was just a treat to see fighters, to see people not being surrounded by fans so much because every time we try to talk to fighters on fight week, I think they get mobbed by fans and you kind of lose being able to talk to them. So being able to talk to fighters without being swarmed by people was very fun. All right. MMA fighting. Robert Whitaker looks spectacular over Jared Cannonier. However, do you really think people want to see the rematch between him and Izzy? <clears throat> Weird question. Izzy versus Jones should be next, right? Well, we're 100% going to start with Alex on this. <laughs> Anyone in the world was more excited about Robert Whitaker's win over Jared Cannonier than Alex, outside of Robert Whitaker's immediate friends, families, and teammates. So, Alex, <laughs> is Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya part two? electric boogaloo next i think it's next mm, it should be next if you're staying in the middleweight division if robert whitaker decides to stay you know out until march or april like he said after christmas he i don't doubt that jones and adesanya might happen before that um i don't, I don't really i feel like adesanya is kind of a wild card where it's like whatever people think he's gonna do he's gonna just do the opposite just because it's funner that way more fun that way. Um, I don't know. But if if anybody else fights Adesanya before Whitaker for the title, it's, I'm not going to be happy about that. It should be Robert Whitaker, 100%. I think Robert Whitaker has done more than he styled on. Well, he styled on Cannonier, broke his arm, and then that Darren Till fight, I enjoyed watching. And he, I, there's no question he won that fight. Now, the only scenarios I can see if Robert Whitaker doesn't get the rematch because Israel Asanya was on record saying, like, if they want me to fight Robert again, he will because he already beat him. But you know Izzy wants new challenges. If Darren Till beats Jack Hermanson impressively, 
I can almost guarantee the UFC will try to book that fight because Izzy wants to fight Darren Till badly. Darren Till they want, is is much more willing to engage in promotion and like fight buildup and trash talking and social media and everything. And as you know, Alex, Robert Whitaker is about as clean cut as you can get when it comes to fighting. I like to use the word unproblematic. (laughs) That was the word you used on Twitter. When you can ask the question, he's like, mate, I don't know. I don't want to obey. I don't care what people do. I'm just my own guy. So, uh, yeah. Definitely wants to fight after December, or if he fights Jan, if they fight first him versus Jan Blahovich, and then Izzy then fights John International Fight Week 2021 because he's on record numerous times saying that's when the fight will happen. But if we are going off of who deserves the fight at middleweight, it's 100% Robert Whitaker. I just have a hard time seeing that fight happening again now, simply because we saw how the first fight went. Yeah, but that was a different Whitaker. I agree. That was a different. 100% agree. It's a different Robert Whitaker we saw. He's in a better place. He's 100% deserves the fight. He's the number one contender, middleweight. Just don't know if that fight happens. Casey, what do you think? Well, I think that how the first fight went is pretty irre- irrelevant because we've seen enough MMA to know that you fight you fight last week doesn't mean how you're going to fight next week. So, uh, I mean, if we go by that, we would never seen the trilogy between DC and Stipe. But Whitaker does deserve it, but I only think that fight happens next if... Uh, the UFC can, uh, well, actually, if um, restrictions um, uh, get um, released in either New Zealand or Australia, so they can actually have a live crowd. And I know New Zealand yeah. is doing phenomenal in their handling of the pandemic. Like whatever the US is doing, they're doing the opposite in the better in the better way in New Zealand. So I could see them actually because they've had live crowds in New Zealand. So if they do. Um, Whitaker, uh, I'm sorry, Izzy versus Whitaker 2 in New Zealand, full house, packed up full of New Zealand and, Austra- and Australian fighters. You have a pay-per-view right there. Throw on, throw on Volkanovski as a co-main against whoever. You can do that in New Zealand. Uh, obviously, the UFC staff and all the fighters have to quarantine two weeks. It's going to be a major pain in the ass, but everyone's making money, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're also forgetting... Yeah, was, I think we're forgetting about... What, what, why is everyone sleeping in Hermanson here? Like, if Hermanson... He'll hook well, till it's gonna go. It's gonna wait till your answer to go off of that. Yeah, I think um, I think because because you have because what what Whitaker. I'm sorry, Izzy fought like fight of the year versus Gaslam, and then freaking um, Hermanson like finishes that fight in ten what fifteen seconds or something like that. A hill hook, and I think if Hermanson can smoke till, which I think is unlikely, but hey, who knows? I didn't think he was gonna be Gaslam. Then we have a different look. We have someone like oh, can someone submit Izzy? We don't know. So I think there's there's a good angle on that. I don't think Hermanson has the name, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. And uh, Izzy versus Jones should, should it be next fight? Absolutely not. <laughs> I agree. I do want to see that twenty twenty international fight twenty twenty one though. Don't care what weight class it's at. I just want to see that fight. And I think Jack Hermanson might be the only one that's more like clean, cookie cutter, unproblematic. He's the only fighter. More unproblematic than Robert Whitaker. Because <laughs> he's just always smiling. And he's the Joker. That's his nickname. But he's just always happy and always positive, which is great. You love to see it. Robert Whitaker just seems kind of indifferent to everything in the world. I Somebody I said he sounded like he was drunk at the pre- at the post-press, which he kind of did. He was just like, Argh. 
That's, I lo- dude, I love Rob. I love Whitaker's I personality. I love yeah. It's uh, his fight versus Israel Adesanya was one of the we've talked about it before. Where it's like you're you are a big fan of both fa- fighters, that it's like difficult. It was difficult. I didn't pick obviously because I don't want to. I was watching unbiasedly, but I was like, man, I would just feel bummed for either fighter losing this fight for their careers. But for the, anyway, rec- for the record, I- Izzy's gonna be bo- Izzy's gonna be Izzy's gonna be all of them. Savage, Savage, dude. There's a new, there's a new Whitaker, but I feel like there's also a new Adesanya. Adesanya's the kind of fighter who likes to parade around as unproblematic, and in fact becomes very problematic. Um, he's like the biggest anti-bully bully, and that's my hot take. I think Israel Adesanya's anti-bully persona is you're a bully, and now I'm gonna. He, I, he's gonna be such a bully to the bullies where it just gets. I'm like, dude, calm down. Yes. <laughs> like you killed. <laughs> He's done. You beat him. Move on. Yes. Oh no no that's beautiful. Fine, do it for fine, do it for a few days. But to do it like two weeks after, I'm like, bro, move on. You beat him. This isn't for us. This is this is a direct attack to that gentleman all the way in Brazil constantly. Attack all you want, but like, don't tell yourself that you're an anti-bully because you're not. <laughs> no, he he is. He is anti-bully. What co- did, did, did he do that to Whitaker? Did he do that to anyone else? No. He is beating up that bully. Because By that, bullying. Yeah, that's what you do. You be, isn't the whole anti-bully thing you beat the crap out of the bully? Like, yeah, but then you beat the crap out of the bully, and then you move on and fight someone else. Let Paulo Costa fight someone else. Right. Like, you're done. Hey, man. Also, Paulo Costa, for a while, Paulo Costa was like, sign the contract. I'm like, what contract? There's no contract. <laughs> We saw it. Move on. Go. Izzy can fight someone else. Paulo Costa can fight someone. I just got over it. Like I just yeah. got like after like a few days. I'm like I get it. He was like, Paulo Costa was saying a lot of awful things, a lot of terrible things. And then you beat him. Forty eight hours, have at him, and then move on. I like forty eight hours of bullying. And then we move on. Like that's yeah. the everyone knows. You only, you only get two full days to bully people. We know that. Come on, it's, <laughs> it's going to roll. Everyone knows this. Two days. Casey, as since you've been since you're the bully, you've never been on the other side. So <laughs> it's gonna happen. It happens to all of us. We all, we all, we are all, the, we all become the nail one day. We all become. Thank you, Tristy Gordet. All right, this is a big one. Are you ready? Are you ready, Jose? You ready? You prepared? Shoot, partner. Here we go. <laughs> From- this is a great question, though. From John Malkin on Twitter, what would the equivalent robbery in MMA be of Mookie Betts being given to the Dodgers? I first of all, I hear the Dodgers won the World Series. I haven't watched baseball since the Red Sox got eliminated, so allegedly the Dodgers won the World Series. So congrats to Mookie. I'm happy he won because that makes John Henry, our owner, look like a fool that he is. Also, shout out to John Mulkin, this comment, this this commenter using the phrase "given" rather than "traded," because that's a hundred percent what we did. Anyway, UFC to Bellator, what would be the equivalent of giving the I'll say second best player on planet Earth? Because Mike Trout is the best baseball player in the world. Might be the best baseball player who ever lived. So, what would the equivalent of being the second best MMA fighter in the world? To another, Chris, what? Chris Cyborg comes to mind. That's 
Not bad. Chris, yeah, Chris Cyborg is up there for sure. Because Chris Cyborg only left the UFC because of her, her and Dana's beef or whatever. So, yeah, there was no it – wasn't, it wasn't a business decision. It was just like, I don't like you, so you yeah. can't fight here. Um, and Mookie Betts giving to the Dodgers is 100% just business, which was Tom – not just absolute nonsense. Anyway. Um, uh, I mean, DJ, I, I don't think there's really – Sorry. The UFC losing DJ, I think, sucks just because we didn't get to see the rubber match with Cejudo. But yeah. DJ was happy about it. Um, we got Askren, which – Dan doesn't have the best record in the UFC, but drummed up a lot of interest in his fights. Basically, as he as Askren says, like Hori Masvidal used to thank me for putting my face in front of his knee. Exactly, which I fantastic. Um, I think losing Musasi was a bummer, just because there's a lot of matchups you won't see. Not, I'm not sad that he went to Bellator because like we got to see like Himmler versus Lovato was a fight that I didn't know I wanted until it happened. Like the rematch between Machida, we're getting Musasi Lima this weekend, which freaking, which is just like Oscar and I were talking. He's like, there's a there's a Bellator fight in this car, and Oscar's like, oh man, like do I want to watch that? And I'm like, it's Lima Musasi. He's like, oh yeah, that's like the one. <laughs> watch so yeah losing Musasi just sucks because like him versus Izzy him versus Romero him versus Hermanson like all those guys tail would just be so fun to watch that we're not going to get but yeah there's a lot of great equivalents but yeah you know Mookie Betts is no more he's yeah. still one is he um is he is he versus Musasi as I think the one middleweight fight I'm never going to see most likely and I'm really bummed because I I am a giant Musasi fan uh, I think Izzy's just I think Izzy's, I think Izzy's on his way to becoming the greatest middleweight ever. Um, so I just want to see that fight. So I just I I'm I'm, but I'm so excited about this this Thursday. So many fights that like Musasi Whitaker is off. Like we talked about Whitaker being indifferent. Musasi's existence is his whole persona is indifference. <laughs> and then you talk to him, and he's hilarious. He's he is. absolutely hilarious. He's like Whitaker. He is like Whitaker, where they come off as so indifferent. But then when you talk to them and you get to know them, they're so funny. So it's a bummer we won't get that fight, the Hermanson fight, the Till fight. Musasi versus Anderson would be an awesome fight for Anderson's retirement party. I guess technically we would still get that if Anderson wants to hop over to Bellator. Imagine, oh my God, imagine if Anderson and Musasi fought on a rising New Year's Eve show. Oh my God, in a ring? Ugh. That needs to be ejected. Anderson's real retirement fight needs to be on a New Year's Eve New Year's Eve show in Japan. So he gets the big walkout. He can come out, do his big dance, do whatever he wants to do now. And um, yeah, don't, having Anderson's retirement fight in the Apex with zero fans just feels anticlimactic. Uh, yeah, yeah, anti anticlimactic. Yeah, no press conference either, which is a bummer. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, thank I, you for listening, yeah. John Malkin, and thank you for using the phrase "giving." Shout out to Wookie Betts, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> okay, uh, on, but not. this next question is pretty loaded, but uh, we're going to do it. Oh. <laughs> From Tan Gwen on Twitter, how badly did Leon Leon Edwards torpedo his career? So, for those of you who aren't aware, Leon Edwards, who what's he ranked? Three, four? Unranked, unranked. Oh, no, I think he's, he's back. Yeah. back. Un- an unbelievable comeback. The guy goes unranked <laughs> to number three in a matter of hours. How does he do it? How- this guy didn't torpedo his career. He just made the greatest jump ever in the rankings and not even fought. It's amazing. This, 
Mr. Tan Win, you are crazy. Very reminiscent of Nate Diaz did this once, where he went from unranked to ranked in like a matter of 30 minutes. Um, but Leon Edwards is top five welterweight in the world and is fighting Hamzat Shemaev, unranked challenger who has just been on a tear through the UFC lately. Uh, 3-0 and in the span of like a month and a half, which is super impressive. In the span so, of like 30 seconds, fight time too. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like he has a combined one round of fighting or something if that, yeah. like that. I will say Leon Edwards is the first legitimate welterweight he'll ever fight in the UFC because um, he's fought in two middleweights, a lightweight that went up, and now he's fighting a leg- like. This is a massive step up in competition. Like it's a, it, I can't stress how big of a step up in competition this is for Hamza Shemayev, going from Gerald Mearshart, middleweight who has like 15 career losses, very good fighter. But Leon Edwards is is incredible fighter. Alex, did Leon torpedo his career right here? Yes and no, because if Leon beats Hamza. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him that aren't already on him, I think. The only reason the eyes were on him in the beginning is because he was complaining about not being able to get a fight, so people were paying attention. But if he pulls this off, there will be a lot of people watching, Of you know, the guy who derailed the hype train. And um, it's a big win for him, but at the same time, it's, a, it's also a huge risk for him as well because um, I don't think people, maybe casual fans don't realize as much that Hamzat is not, he hasn't been around that long and he's not exactly you know, top ranked. So it's a big risk for him, but I don't, I think he torpedoed his career worse for like his position with Dana White. You got to be careful with the things that you're saying. What do you say? No, I just mean like when you complain too much about, you know, and allegedly turning on fights and just, you got to be more of a company man than that. Ooh, unfortunately. They got Alex Savas pro Dana White. Do what no, Dana says. That- do what Dana says. That's why that's all I hear. I'm joking. <laughs> God, now that, yeah, Alex Savas is a Dana White fan. <laughs> I didn't say it. You just said it. I, I, we already clipped that. Now it's already out on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Casey, did Leon Edwards torpedo his career? I think, I think, I think Jorge Masvidal torpedoed Edwards' career, to be honest. I think ever since then, we've seen Leon Edwards in a different light, and it sucks for him. Because he's never been that guy on the mic talking crap, talking crap. You know, uh, he's just not that guy, which is good. Because I, I don't want I don't want him to be someone he's not. Um, but I don't think we know if he torpedoes his career until after this fight. If he loses, oh hell yeah, he torpedoed his career. Um, then you, it's just it's just it's just gonna be a bad look. If he wins and he really controls that narrative and says. No, it says, like, now, give me the champ. You know, it's like, all right, Dana, I did what you did. You know, I did what mm-hmm. you wanted, Dana. I fought that. Because clearly Dana wanted this fight because otherwise it'll be it'll be um, Shemaya versus um, Neil Magny. Because, yeah. like, Dana's like, raise your hand, raise your hand if you want to fight him. Neil Magny's like, pick me, pick me. Dana's <laughs> like, uh, I don't see anyone yet. All right, I guess we're doing Edwards. You know, um, so. Um, that was an even goal here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think the jury's still out as far as torpedoing his career. And I think um, this is a horrible fight for Leon Edwards. But somehow if he can if he can steamroll Shemaev, he can flip it around and, and ter- turn it to his advantage. But um, there's a there's a lot a lot needs to be done. I think whoever wins this fight is going to get a title shot. A hundred percent. I can see that. Whether it's if it's after Gilbert, if Gilbert Burns is still the guy to fight Usman and the winner waits, so be it. Or if Darren, if Hamzat, say Hamzat beats 
Leon Edwards and is still just like, I want to keep fighting. I'm not waiting. And then he gets the Darren Till fight that Darren Till said he would take. Because let's not forget, Darren Till said, if I get through Jack, I'll fight you next. And they started to like Instagram and tweet at each other and all that stuff. So Hamza Shemaya just might be a psychopath and might knock out two top five contenders in two different weight classes before he even gets a title shot. He's the guy to do it, I think. But I don't think Leon Edwards, quote unquote, steamrolls Hamza. I could very easily see him just boxing him up for five rounds because Leon Edwards is a great fighter. Let's not yeah. forget. What does he call him? Left, left elbow Larry is what he calls him. Calls himself after uh, <clears throat> Bisping calls himself left hook Larry. So uh, we just haven't seen him in, in more than a year. He, I feel real bad he didn't get the Tyron Woodley fight, especially after that BT Sport promo package they did before fighting in London and all that stuff. Roll that back. Whoever yeah. wins, <laughs> whoever wins, will get a title shot against the winner of Usman and Burns. And I wouldn't put it past Hamza to become the number one contender in two weight classes before he gets a title shot. Oh, my. I, I guess. It's great. We just haven't seen him fight a top. We haven't seen him fight anyone ranked, and he's all of a sudden fighting the number three ranked revelry in the world. This is right. Okay. I asked this question on Twitter, and I couldn't. The best answer, I, not, not, not taking account short notice, yeah. Uh, Cub Swanson versus Armelo Bob is the last time we had a top five division fighter coming off a win fighting someone way, way unranked. And that was Cub Swanson after his after his fight of the year versus Superboy versus Arden Lobov. So uh, it's a weird fight. Super. Super. That's his name, right? Superboy? Yeah, the Korean Superboy. Korean yeah. Superboy, yeah. Sure. Well, One he, of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He's Superboy to me. I, I don't need labels. I don't need nationality. I just, he's, he's my Superboy. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? This, but now this question rolls right into this question from Michael Jones on Twitter. Are you on the UFC's make-believe media panel that determines <laughs> ranks? No, none of us are. No one at MMA fighting is on the UFC UFC ranking panel. It's on the website. I don't know if people know. If you go to the UFC.com/rankings, all the way at the bottom to see how our rankings determined. Click that. It tells you exactly all the outlets that people come from. Have you ever been on it, Casey? The the ranking site, the rankings panel. No, no, not at all. I I, I, I am very against that. I, at, at the beginning, I kind of liked. It. I was like, oh, cool. But then once I once I really once I think we all discovered very quickly. Oh, the UFC just uses this in negotiating in negotiating against their own fighters. It's like they'll mm-hmm. use rankings when I they was- want to. Yeah. Outside of the rank, like outside of like the goofiness, like Connor still being ranked a lightweight after like not fighting in a long time and then losing and outside of like the weird, like every now and then, like when a fighter gets a fight booked, all of a sudden they mysteriously move up a spot. There's, I don't have a huge issue with a lot of how the rankings are laid out outside of like the weirdness that the UFC does with moving fighters up and down one or two spots first. The weirdness is the issue. That's the issue. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I have an issue with the weirdness, but in terms of the, how the fighters are actually, like there, I don't have any problem with Robert Whittaker being number one middleweight, Paulo Costa being number two, like Darren Till being whatever it is. Like I don't have a, the like Lauren Murphy. I get when she went off on that long tangent at the the press conference. Like how am I ranked number five? Like go, I'm like I, you have you make a very valid point. And she didn't move of, up, right? She's still number five. As far Ooh, I have she, she she'd be an unranked unranked person with came on short notice and she's probably a girl that's probably actually a straw weight so i i wouldn't i, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't move her up the rankings so i if anything she i think she might move up by proxy just because 
like Kyle Shikagian lost to an unranked flyweight, so maybe she just fell past Lauren. I wouldn't say Lauren moved up. I just maybe feel someone fell below her, if that makes sense. But calling Andrade an unranked flyweight is like that's just weird. It's like calling Hamza Shemaev an unranked welterweight. Oh it's no, no, I it's... no, I agree. He is unranked, but Andrade is not. I agree. Unranked, yeah. I agree. I <laughs> and like I agree, but like Jennifer Maya being like like missing weight and still being ranked above Lauren Murphy and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, I get Lauren Murphy's arguments. Like if anything, people losing and falling would move her up mm-hmm. just by proxy. Not that she powers her way. But up. Maya didn't lose weight when she um, submitted um, Jojo Carterwood. Nope. So I agree. So we, we, I mean, like how far back are we kind of, um, I get what Lauren's trying to say. I just don't buy any of her arguments, but um, she has an argument for being ranked five. I she's being Andrew Lee. She's being. She's being. But see, no, but see, that's the thing about rankings. Rankings are we. We don't. It's not. It's not the judge's decision. It's like who we think's the better fighter, and we all. I mean, we don't need to go back on her, pick every dissect all of our fights. But if you think fighter A beat fighter B, but then the judges gave it to fighter B, I still rank fighter A above fighter B. Oh, I I just go off of what's on paper, wins and losses. I don't care if I think you lost or won. But rank, but, the, so but, but rankings, mind, but rankings mind, are head to head, right? But it's also it's also a very subjective thing. We have completely different things, and I get in 2020 being subjective just means you are infallible, and everyone's opinion is fact. It's just not how I. It's just not, which is not the reality, of course. I base it off of wins and losses. I think Andrew Lee beat Lauren Murphy, but at the end of the day, she has a W. And Lauren Murphy's got a W, so that's how I take it. Facts. Like, if, like, John Jones theoretically could have lost three in a row. If three. Anthony Smith took the DQ, loses oh. Tiago Santos, loses to Dominic Reyes, I'm not going to rank John Jones lower than one at light heavyweight, even though he could be on a three fight losing streak. I'm not going to rank him. I still would put him number one pound for pound fighter in the world over Habib. I get Habib's number one. I don't have any problem with that, but me personally, I would still put John Jones number one because he's beating people on his worst days, which is a whole other argument to begin with. It's just all subjective. It is a completely subjective narrative. End of rant. Don't block us again, Lauren Murphy. Oh, <laughs> I know, Lauren. I'm still blocked. I did it. She, if you watch, because I told, I didn't want it to become weird for media people and ruin press conferences. Like I told. Like some of the media, I'm like, I don't think Lauren's going to want to take questions from me. So like, like I gave some of the people a heads up, like you should ask more questions because I'm not going to be able to ask many questions because I don't want to ruin the vibe or make her walk out or something like that. And someone <laughs> asked her about the ultimate fighter and she Ooh. was like, stop asking about the ultimate fighter. She looked right at me and I wasn't even the one asking the question. And I was like, I get it. Like you have an issue with your appearance on the, on the A side. I wish that wasn't the case. Um, but it is what it is. But I made sure not to ask any questions because I didn't want to ruin the flow of a press conference. Because on media day, she was great. Her part when she was talking about her son and how her son seeing her in the video game being a really big deal is a very sweet moment. She was like tearing up and stuff. And I didn't want to ruin the vibe. If she had a problem with me, she might not even remember that I was. She might not even know me as the host of the A side. I just didn't want to take that chance. I, I, I think she just came out guns a blazing at everyone in the media, like, "Why you guys have a lot of explaining to do?" And oh, I was like, "Nobody dude, here has anything." She to did. Do with it. She did great. That's how you do. That's how you make a case. That's how you make a case. You just, you just fucking just rip everyone's asses apart. Just <laughs> going, man. That's what she was doing. We're, we're talking about her, and we're still talking about it. I get it. I just. 
if she looked at everyone in the press conference, she would see, oh, none of you people are on the UFC panel board. So, yeah. you have anything to do with where I'm ranked. Yeah. Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade. Just book that fight. There. We then 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 you will make your damn case. You beat Jessica Andrade, the woman that just smote Caitlyn Chikagian. That it will be undeniable, undeniable. Or Cynthia or Andrade, I'm fine with either. Or just stay ready in case someone fall, pulls out. Like if Jennifer Maya misses weight against Valentina, bam, you're right there. That's actually a good option. Yeah, she should she should be um uh campaigning to be uh, a backup fighter, I guess. Maybe I don't know. Just Dodge and Murphy. And to Lauren Murphy's credit, she's like, I am a realist, and if they want to give the title shot to Andrade over me, she deserves it for smoking Callan Chukagian. So she's like, if they want to give the the next one to Andrade, fine, I'll fight Cynthia. But if they don't want to wait, I'll fight Andrade and just stake my claim. Like Lauren Murphy was also very realistic in her like for all the stuff like why am i ranked five why am i five she she made a lot of good points where she if they gave andrade's title shot she would 100 percent understand but she still wants to fight so who who's Same in, as, who's, in, who's in front of murphy in the rankings and the ufc rankings let me pull it up i have it and up here so shevchenko andrade jukagi and maya cavillo and murphy you have cavillo in front of her and then um maya maya Where's Andrade? I'm oh, sorry, you said Andrade, right? Andrade is number one. Number one. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, the problem's like I, 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 I don't know where to put her in front of anyone. Maybe Cynthia, because Lauren Murphy's. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe Cynthia. What? The, okay, she goes. She goes. In, so she's four. And I mean, yeah. okay, but she's still in the same spot. I mean, Maya. Maya took. Maya took a short notice fight. Maya took, uh, you know, JoJo Carterwood took a big chance facing, um, you know, Maya on short notice. Um, wait, wait, who was that? Did, did JoJo take that fight short notice or did Maya take that fight short notice? Neither, neither one. They both just they announced it very. Oh, close one of those pandemic, uh, just fight now type things. Okay. They both knew that was happening, but it took a while for them to officially announce yeah. it. Yeah. So they were both. It was one of those. Neither one was a short notice replacement. They just wanted to fight. The fight so itself was short notice. Yeah, I got you. Maybe just swaps Lauren and Cynthia. That might be the only one. Yeah, so, so that's what I mean. Like she's complaining about the rankings. Like, but it's like, uh, okay, I don't know. Maybe Maya, because Maya might because JoJo's seven and Maya's three. We gotta look at dominance of victory. I mean, Maya just beat JoJo what like an around took no damage, took her down, submitted her. No, Maya known as a, a stand up. Or a stand-up fighter. So number one, Jessica I was like the number one fighter at flyweight, and Cynthia just beat her five rounds, not dominantly. She's one and zero in the division, yeah. and she's ranked above. So that would be the only one I would swap if you're going by uh, that logic. So dominance of victory. That, that means anyway. Go, Laura Murphy. Make your case. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Get your name out there. Just yeah. That's good. You're, don't stop. Don't stop. 11.15, how many questions? We got any more questions, Casey? Uh, la, 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 um, You know what? Let me look at um, the YouTube real quick. Talk amongst yourselves. Alex, who do you think is the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, since that seems to be a big argument right now? Oh, we're going to talk oh, about I, that. I put Habib. I'm one of those people who um, gets rid of anybody who's been accused of PEDUs. I, I just think it takes you out of the running. Sorry. We're talking greatness or pound-for-pound? You said pound for pound. Is it pound for pound? I would still put John Jones number one pound, like pound for pound fighter. I think Habib is like greater. 
that makes sense. See, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm the other way. I mean, I definitely have a beat pound for pound. I think that to me is like that's easy as far as greatness. Uh, I'll actually put John above it. Because, but, very- but like, what are we talking about? How, how, what do we rank him great? Like, I don't know. It's just a weird. But doesn't greatness encompass like it's- you as a person? Yeah. That's why I would say Habib is the greatest. Like, I, if you're looking, like, I would, like, we're gonna, we're not gonna argue about this at all because it's a ridiculous conversation, but I think LeBron <laughs> James is a more talented basketball player than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is still the greatest player of all time. Um, that's how I view it. Like, John Jones is the most skilled fighter, maybe outside of GSP, I've ever seen. I still think Habib is the greater fighter. I still put, GSP is the greatest fighter of all time. If we're talking about that, two belts, uh, avenged both losses. Like we're talking about, like <laughs> look at the reaction to Habib retiring and getting and becoming number one. GSP's like, good job, man. Like you're the man. Like go out on top. And John Jones is like, I'm number one. Everyone look at me. So it's just two completely different perspective so i still think gsp is the greatest i don't put have a problem putting habib to john three i still put john jones pound for pound best right now in terms of what happens inside the octagon john jones is a is a much better prize fighter habib oh. habib the prize fighter i think i think john jones has done very well for himself um habib uh is a greater fighter and definitely a pound for pound uh number one I think there is a legit argument that Habib is a better prize fighter. He, the in, the amount of interest that he generates in a fight. But no, but look how long it took for Habib to do that. He, he, how, how many times? He, how many times he had to win? John Jones. Is, John Jones has been like the, one of the best prize fighters for years. Like within like maybe his fourth, fourth or fifth with his fourth or fifth fight in the UFC. Like we were like, holy shit. It took Habib, what, like at least six, seven fights in the UFC before we were like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should move him to the main card. That sounds like a problem with light heavyweight and lightweight. Lightweight is just way more of a kill to climb. Also, Fuck yeah. you compared Habib. You, compared <laughs> you said Habib was the Floyd Mayweather of MMA. Floyd Mayweather is the biggest prize fighter ever in combat sports. No, I'm, so, I'm talking about just fighting style, like what you, in, in, in the sense that you know what you're getting and like, you're just waiting like price like Floyd, Floyd's a different level in, in terms of everything <laughs> um I think Habib there's a legit argument that Habib is a bigger prize fighter based on outside of the United States interest I guarantee you more like Cristiano Ronaldo no 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 stories on Habib Habib has been only a great prize fighter for, for the last like two years or so yeah John Jones has been John Jones has been a, has been a pay-per-view main adventure for what seven eight years. That's I'm, I'm going longevity right there. There is an argument that at their peaks, Habib drums up more interest than John Jones, and that's what I'm basing it off of. Because because it took because because he is the pound for pound best. But that's what I mean. Like so, at this if you take like yeah the sliver in time right now, yeah, he's the bigger fight. He's the bigger prize fighter. I'm talking about over their careers. Sure. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, and if you go over, think, over their careers, that's why I think Habib will always be a pound-for-pound pound better fighter than GSP. Because Habib never, ever had an off night, which is insane. And that goes into the argument of can you... Like, GSP versus Condit was so impressive to me. Because he got rocked bad and looked like he was about to lose and still won. So, I st- me personally, I weigh... 
you, sh- you very well could have lost and came out from the depths of hell to win. Like I, I put a lot of stake into that. So, so but you're you're holding against a beep that he didn't get kicked in the head. Yeah. <laughs> I I will go with the guy not getting kicked in the head over the guy I who got kicked in the head. I will say though, losing your dad right before your fight oh, is yeah. way bigger of a mountain to climb over. So I will like. But again, we're arguing who's one, two, or three. Like they're still top three. What's the problem here? I think. Uh, I would suggest everyone go to Bloody Elbow and read Jordan Breen's article. I don't know if you got a chance to read it, Jose. Jordan Breen wrote an article about Habib, and it's very good. And basically, he came down to uh, the thesis was deciding who's the pound-for-pound best is like saying, what's better? Uh, Well, (laughs) I know what you're going to say. It's a bit vulgar, but read the article. Why don't you read, people? I know what you're going to say. He's taking two negative connotations to argue against greatness. No, no, not at all. Okay. No, no, no. Like what? Do you, I don't. Know. Anyway, I digress. We're we've run up on a lot of time. Do you have any more rapid fire questions you want to plow through first? Rapid fire. Uh, oh, okay, man. Well, okay, long time, long time um, commenter really wants us to answer this, so let's go for it real quick. Tristan Gordet, MA fighting with the YouTube comments with now thirteen finishes, seven TKOs, and six submissions. What do you think? What do you think of Shakrat Rachmanov's UFC debut against Alex Oliveira? Was not expecting a Shakrat Rachmanov conversation. From Kazakhstan, came and got a big dub the same week Borat 2 came out. So we were all in the media room talking, like, who's going to ask about Borat? Who's going to ask about Borat? I'm like, no one asked about Borat. I don't want this conversation. To, I don't want that press conference to turn into that conversation. Um, Is there official awesome. motto? Is there official tourism motto now? Oh, I heard. Awesome win. His hat is made of a legitimate wolf. Uh, awesome. Awesome win. That's all, that's all I can say. Yeah. Very impressive. Good win. Uh, Maddox Oliveira apparently had lots of um, lots of very serious personal issues coming in, um, family issues coming into that fight. And um, yeah. But, yeah, good win for Rachmanov. And uh, awesome. can't wait to see him fight again. There you go. Is that it on questions or we have more? Yeah, we got oh, one more, one more, just because ugh, we got to get this one out of the way. Watch my 666. Lawler is injured and out of his fight. Perry's calling him out Shamaya. Mike Perry might fight Hazmat. Hazmat. Hamza. <laughs> Hazmat is what uh, Michael Chiesa keeps calling yeah. him. Yeah. Mike might fight Hamza before Leon. Thoughts? Not going to happen. Hamza Shamaya is going to fight Leon Edwards. Mike Perry can fight. I don't know. I don't really care. Alex, your thoughts? Seconded. Whatever, Mike Perry, do whatever you want to do. I just wish wish the UFC would. Like Dana, I know you didn't hear anything about Mike Perry and the accusations from his ex-wife posted on MMA Junkie. But um, why don't you look into it? Yeah. Now you have some time. You know, you had a long flight back, you know. Yeah. Google it. Maybe delve into that a little bit. Yeah. Google it. Could be fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, actually, I'm very. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I have no comment on Mike Perry. <laughs> no comment because I don't. No, no comment. Agreed. Uh, oh, so but the line that Jordan Breen said when you're trying when you're trying to decide who the goat is or pound for pound best, it's like saying what's better, sex when you're high or pizza when you're drunk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bang. Think anyway. about it. <laughs> 
Makes you, gets, gets you. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> Tell us how you feel. Tell us how you feel. Oh, the world needs more Jordan Brain. This, this, this MMA world needs more Jordan Brain. I agree. I like right. Jordan a lot. Let's play. Uh, ready to play the outro music? Okay. Right, all right. And. Ooh. Take us out. We are signing off for this edition of the A-Side Live Chat on Wednesday afternoon slash morning, depending on where you are in the world. My name is, of course, Jose Youngs. You can find this podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, iHeartRadio, all the podcast networks. Casey's been great on the ones and twos. You can go tweet at him all of your takes as you get into Twitter arguments after this at EKC. It's right there. You brought this upon yourself. He doesn't have a blue check mark, so he can't filter out the noise. Alex Savas is going to be in Las Vegas for the Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall uh, main event on the on the pre uh, prelims. The co-main event is an absolute banger of a featherweight match between Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely. Bryce Mitchell gets his camo shorts finally. Andre Feely is probably the, one of the uh, most outspoken fans of comic books, so I'm very much looking forward to that one. Greg Hardy and the crochet boss Maurice Green is on the card. I can't remember all the other fights off the card. Low-key Fantastic card for the UFC's return to Las Vegas. So okay. watch for all of Alex's content. What are you gonna say? Okay, we give it up, give it up for Reebok. What like ten years into seven years into this, the last week before the deal is over. Hey, let's make a custom outfit. <laughs> hey, go get him, Reebok. Go get him. Well, well said. Go, go watch all of our content for UFC 254 and all of our Fight Island content uh, that we have on the YouTube page. The Media Day will stream today, so you can watch that. Watch for Alex, who's awesome content coming from Las Vegas because she has a way better camera than me, so it's going to look way more aesthetically pleasing. And with that, we'll see you next Wednesday. We're out. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.